This is Maine Coast Doc Talk, a podcast bringing you news and stories from Maine's working waterfronts. Brought to you by the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association. For today's podcast, we have a great conversation with Jamie Cornane of the New England Fishery Management Council, who joined me to talk about haddock. It's a species that's been in the media a lot recently because the news has come out that New England is taking a massive cut in what's allowed to be caught for the species. Jamie and I spent most of the time talking about science and data and the process used to get science into management, but I felt like it would be helpful to put a little context and history behind some of the language and words that we used in this podcast. So first, the context. The news cycle around haddock has highlighted that the fishery is overfished. Overfished and overfishing are two management terms that reflect a stock status, not what caused the stock to get into the shape that it is in. Haddock is considered rebuilt, and while the population is trended in the wrong direction, it is still considered a healthy fishery. Jamie and I touched base on that in the interview. What we don't go into is that haddock has been underfished for several years now. According to the best available science, fishermen should have been catching a lot more haddock, but they weren't. Fishermen were far below what managers said they could catch for at least the past three years in the Gulf of Maine and far, far longer on George's bank. Fishermen were not exceeding what was allowed to be caught. Unfortunately, the language that we have available makes it sound as though fishermen, the ones that were driving this stock down by catching too many, when that was just not the case. There are lots of examples of times that fishermen do overfish a species, especially in other parts of the world and historically in New England and the United States, but this is not one of those times. The fishermen are the impacted party in this instance, not the ones doing the impacting. Now for the history. Let's go back to 2010 when the New England region moved to a system of management for groundfish called sectors. Now, groundfish are species like cod and haddock and flounder, and they are collectively managed together as a multi-species fishery. But in 2010, managers transitioned how these species were managed into an allocation-based system called sectors. Sectors are essentially a cap-and-trade system. The science and data tells managers how many pounds of fish can safely come out of the ocean, and managers divide those pounds up amongst the fishing businesses of New England. Each groundfish permit has a certain percentage of the catch that is determined based upon their catch history from 1996 to 2006. What does that mean? It means that if a fisherman caught a lot of haddock over that 10-year period, he or she might have caught 2% of all the haddock that was landed in New England Under this new system called sectors, that business would be allocated out 2% of all the allowable catch of haddock every single year moving forward. That's a percentage though. The number of pounds would change depending upon what science and managers said was available to be caught. So the percentage stays the same. The pounds change annually through the stock assessment process. And that is what Jamie and I are talking about the stock assessment process that is determining how many pounds get distributed through this allocation-based system. So we have a certain number of pounds, quota, allocation, that is what is distributed to the fishermen. It allows them to go fish. If the quota is limited, it can severely impact the boat's ability to fish. One of the most important aspects of the sector system that you kind of have to understand is that if you run out of quota for one species, like haddock, 
even if you have a lot of other quota, so you have thousands of pounds of cod or pollock or hundreds of thousands of pounds of flounder that you are allowed to still catch, you cannot do so if you run out of another species. So if you're going to take a trip and you might catch haddock, then you can't go catch the abundance that you might have on your, your permit within the fishery. You can move pounds of fish between businesses. This is called a lease of allocation. That can be expensive, especially for a limiting species like a haddock is going to be this year. Cod was last year. And so the entire fishery can basically get hamstrung by one species being limited. And this is especially true if the science is saying one thing and the fishermen on the water are seeing another. That's why we're talking about haddock. We have this cap on the total number of pounds that can be taken out of the ocean. And fishermen are saying that that cap is going to be way too low for what they are seeing as reality out on the water in the Gulf of Maine. This is how we try and control the New England groundfish fishery though. It's we put a certain number of pounds that can be caught, it's allocated out, and then the fishermen have to stay within that limit. This is a more market-driven approach to management. This was the whole pitch when we went to sectors. It offers more business flexibility. Unfortunately, what that means though is we need really accurate, timely, precise data going into stock assessments to determine how many pounds can be caught in any given year. Otherwise, we start to cause problems. Right now we're talking about haddock, which is going to be limiting, but there's other times when we overestimate through science the number of pounds of fish available to be caught, and that can drive problems in other directions when fishermen go and start targeting things that might not be as abundant as the scientific process is, is suggesting. So this, this is important. This is, this is how we try and balance the books of our fisheries management in New England, and it seems as though we are starting to have an issue with the timely, precise, accurate nature of the data that we are relying on. So Jamie and I go into that in depth throughout this conversation, but I felt like it would be helpful to put a little bit more context around the nuances of the conversation and some of the language that we used. So I hope you enjoy the conversation between me and Jamie. I know I really got a lot out of it um, and I really appreciate her taking some time to, to join me. So enjoy the interview. Welcome to Maine Coast Doc Talk. I'm here with Jamie Cornane, who is the lead fisheries analyst for the Groundfish Management Plan and the Herring Management Plan as well. Are those the only two, Jamie, that you're you're leading on at this point? Got it right. Yeah. Perfect. Groundfish and herring. Uh, groundfish and herring, two fisheries that never have disruptions or disasters taking place within them. So I'm sure that that's a, a simple job for you. But so she works at the New England Fishery Management Council, which manages our federal fisheries. And she's in charge of the herring fishery and the groundfish fishery when it comes to developing those plans, working with council members, working with scientists, working with fishermen to put the rules of the road out on the water. I've asked Jamie to join us today because there's a, a big issue in fisheries management right now around Gulf of Maine haddock. We are facing a significant cut next year in what's going to be allowed to be caught based upon the most recent stock assessment. And Jamie has been involved in both the science side of this decision and the management side of where we are now. And so I was hoping to have Jamie put a little context around what's happening with Gulf of Maine haddock. So Jamie, before we get into the haddock part of the question, 
Can you give a little bit of an outline of what your role as a fisheries analyst actually looks like at the New England Fishery Management Council? Yeah, thanks, Ben, and thanks for having me. My job is to help council members and the public navigate our process. So from start to finish, when the council wants to take an action or change something in fishery management, we have an entire public process to do that involving meetings, public participation. And so my role is to guide the council through the process as well as all the stakeholders. And in the end, what we do as staff is we submit a council proposal to the federal government, the National Marine Fisheries Service, and they consider that proposal and either say yes or no to that proposal. So that's my primary job. And other roles that I have for the council include leading technical teams to help support decision-making, as well as participating in the science process. And you, you mentioned Haddock earlier, and I participated in the science, the stock assessment for Haddock as well. And how long have you been at the New England Fishery Management Council doing this work? Well, next month marks 10 years as council staff. Um, prior to that, I also served as an academic on the Herring Plan Development Team for five years. So this year will mark 15 years being involved in the council process. And I, I called you Jamie Cornane. You are Dr. Jamie Cornane. <laughs> You've got some credentials after your name as well from UNH. That's right. I went to the University of New Hampshire in Durham, New Hampshire, and I studied natural resource management there and received my PhD when I was at the university. Well, Jamie, it is great to have you involved in all of these very hard and complicated decisions. I do want to talk about some of that technical team work that you you referenced because you know how the council receives information about what's happening in fisheries science and then the decisions that they need to make based upon that science, that, that's where some of the translation gets lost in terms of how decisions are made. So can you give a little bit of context around what those technical teams do, where that data that they're receiving is coming from, and what then the council has to do based upon the recommendations that's coming at them from the technical teams? Yeah, sounds good. So first, the council is a user of information. We don't generate data, we use information and data that's generated elsewhere. We may perform some analyses or some studies of the information, but we're not actually collecting the data. That role is reserved for the National Marine Fisheries Service, and they're getting data from two primary sources. The first is the fishery, and they're getting information from dealer reports, as well as observations on the water from observer coverage, as well as vessel trip reports. And secondarily we're to that, there's also some other collection programs that go on for recreational fisheries. But I think our focus today is on the commercial fishery. The other primary source of information is the surveys. And those surveys are conducted twice a year. The bottom trawl survey is conducted by the Northeast Fisheries Science Center. And there, they're collecting a host of information about you know, what's caught in the trawl, what were the environmental conditions at the time, and a lot of detailed information about species composition. So that, that's the primary source of the types of information we use. And our technical teams that look at that So data, before we that, go into the technical yeah. teams, we have 
a couple of different streams of data then. The fishery dependent stuff that's coming from the commercial and recreational fisheries. And then we have the data that is being collected by the federal government and state government funded boats where they literally go out and put a net in the water, drag it behind a boat and count what comes up. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. All right. So technical teams, what do they do with this data stream? So our technical teams are made up of our staff, as well as folks from the government. So NOAA Fisheries, state biologists will often sit on our technical teams and sometimes academics do. And our job is to synthesize all of that information, put it together in a useful format to answer specific questions the council might have, as well as keep track of trends in the fishery. So we may do sort of you know, annual annual summaries of how many pounds of fish, what was the revenue by species, but we may also ask answer specific questions that council asks, like for instance, what are what are the spatial trends in catch and effort of a specific species for for example, winter flounder? And our second role is not only to answer questions, but prepare all of the documents the council needs. So this includes technical reports on those analyses we do, as well as what we call our action documents. And those are the council's proposal. We prepare that longer proposal for the NOAA fisheries to consider yes or no. So that's our primary, our two primary roles, performing those analyses and then preparing the council's proposal for consideration by the government. One of the other contextual pieces to put on top of this is so these councils were created through the Magnuson-Stevens Act, which was implemented by Congress, passed by Congress, and they are charged with managing our fisheries with the best available science. And this, this process is where we are collecting, analyzing, and determining what that best available science is that we need to make management decisions around. We strive to use the most recent relevant science that we can. This could include things recently published as well as some of the work we do. And in order to have this information used, we have a process of peer review. And that peer review can occur in our technical teams, but also by our scientific and statistical committee, which often performs a peer review role. The determine of best available science is actually something that, that that group can weigh in on and that NOAA Fisheries makes that final determination. So we are preparing the kinds of materials that are needed in, in order to, to inform that discussion. Great. So now let's start talking about haddock. We have multiple stocks of haddock that we manage. So we've got the Georges Bank stock and we've got the Gulf of Maine stock and we are talking about the Gulf of Maine stock. What happened in the Gulf of Maine recently? Yeah. So it's actually both haddock stocks where we saw this big change. I'm going to focus on Gulf of Maine haddock. So the big headline is this eight, over 80% reduction from where we were with the quota. And what's driving that? Well, the last stock assessment showed us that there was a really strong year class of fish coming in that was driving up the population. And as we've added new data to the stock assessment and updated the approach, we've actually found out that that estimate was too high. So that old estimate of how many fish are in the population in that important year class has been revised down. And as a consequence, this new assessment shows we were, we were over on what we thought the biomass was. And so now there's less available for the fishery. What we've been responding to most recently is, is how to you know, manage that big change. And what does that mean for the fisheries? 
and has led to a lot of discussions this year about the best approach to management. And when we start talking about stock assessments, how frequently are stock assessments done? We had a, a very positive stock assessment. How many years ago was that positive set assessment uh, put on the water? 2019 was the assessment. And it was put in place for quotas that would have been for 2020 through 2022. So they expired April 30th of this year. April 30th of this year, the fishing year goes May 1st to April 30th for the ground fish fishery. We had a couple of years, three years of, of a inflated stock assessment where when we started putting new data into the system, it came back and it said, we, we overestimated one of these year classes that we thought was going to be really significant within the fishery. That year class was significantly lower. And now we've been catching too many fish over the past couple of years, not only were we, were we high in terms of what we thought was out there? We've been allowing fishermen to catch too many fish. Is that a, a very simplified version of where we are today? That's part one. And then part two of the explanation is that because there were so many haddock, and there are a number of reasons why, these fish, when examined again, were actually, their weights were lower individually. And so that brought the whole estimate down even more wasn't just the ones going in, the recruits that were tracking through the fishery, but also the size and the weight of those fish has been a factor as well. So both of those things together in combination have led to this reduction in the estimate of what the biomass out there is and what's available for the fishery as well. Yeah, I think that that's actually a really crucial point to emphasize is biomass is how we talk about these fisheries. It's not individuals within the population that we are tracking. It would be very hard to track individuals within the fishery. So if suddenly we say these haddock at year three are actually 10% smaller than what we, we thought, that means that there's a significant change in the overall allowable pounds of fish in the ocean, that biomass. We track landings through pounds. We track discards through pounds. We aren't actually paying attention to the individual's within within that fishery, which which is like an interesting piece of the model when you're thinking about how we set the allowable catch and and how we manage that fishery. So we got this bad news. The haddock stock was overestimated. We've adjusted the models. And for 2023, which is a fishing season that started on May 1st, we are looking at a 84% cut in what fishermen are allowed to land in the commercial fishery in the Gulf of Maine. So what was that process like? The council got their data. They had to make some decisions about it. Walk me through what their process looked like when they received that data. The stock assessment occurred in September of last year, sort of later in the month. And the council started to hear some information about what was happening in that stock assessment at its September meeting. And then later in December, the council makes decisions on its proposal typically in December of each year. And so we started getting some, some of this bad news and started to talk to the council about a way forward. The step after the stock assessment is it goes to the scientific and statistical committee. And what they do is they discuss the councils, we'll call them control rules, the rules for how you set the quota, the council is actually laid out in advance of the meeting, in advance of the discussion. And based on the applying those rules, a 
quota was recommended and then the council accepted that quota at their meeting in December. But what we later found, and we started getting hints of it earlier this year, were catch rates in the commercial fishery were higher than we anticipated. So we thought we would have seen some of this biomass start to track downward and we'd see lower catch rates in the fishery, but that's not what happened. Early in the year and into the spring haddock fishery, we started to see these increasing catch rates. The industry was concerned about them and was reporting to us about it, which ultimately led to another discussion this year, which is, uh, I think, beyond your question, but maybe coming next. It is coming yeah. next because the council made these decisions based upon science. Yeah. And then the fishing industry started seeing something very different. Right. than what we would have anticipated, whether they were targeting haddock or targeting pollock or hake or something else in the ocean, there was a lot of haddock that were being landed more than what you might anticipate based upon what the stock assessment said. Is that where we got to from December till the last couple of months of, of council conversations? Yes. In January, we started to hear hints of it, although nothing was decided at that meeting. We do have a January council meeting. And over the course of the next few months, we, we heard things like from fishermen saying, on this trip, I, I would have caught my entire allocation for the year. We're seeing a lot more haddock than we anticipated. These past few weeks, the rates have been really high. We can't get away from the haddock. And so that was a cause for concern for the council. And the council decided to add a discussion on Gulf of Maine haddock at its April meeting. That wasn't something we had planned on, but we made a change. And at the time the council wasn't exactly sure what they wanted to do, but it became clear over the course of a few weeks that people wanted to, just, to discuss recommending an emergency to the government, to NOAA Fisheries. And the council discussed and did ultimately recommend what we've referred to as an emergency action at their April meeting for a number of reasons. And that recommendation includes a increase in the quota to help mitigate economic and social impacts. It's not a huge increase over what was recommended, but it was what they could recommend without compromising other conservation goals that they're required to achieve under Magnuson-Stevens. I can talk a little bit more about the emergency. Why don't we do yeah. that? You know, we have a council process that takes the information that they're given. They've got constraints put around them by the goals and objectives of the Magnuson-Stevens Act and through NOAA Fisheries. And now we're in a spot where we're penned in within these certain confines of what we can and cannot do. And an emergency action seemed to be one of the only levers the council could pull at that point to try and figure out a way to, to bring some relief. But the emergency action needs to hit certain standards. So what are the standards that emergency action needs to, to meet? And then where does that emergency go? Who are we who are we asking for, for help with this emergency action? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. So at a high level, the National Marine Fisheries Service has policy guidelines for how to use an emergency rule there are four situations that may justify an emergency action. The first situation is it results from recent unforeseen 
events or recently discovered circumstances. And the second is that it presents serious conservation or management problems in the fishery. The third is, a, is more of a process one and it can be addressed through emergency regulations for which immediate benefits outweigh the value of advance notice, public comment and deliberative consideration um, of the impacts of the participants to the same extent as it would under the normal rulemaking process, which basically means that in order to speed up the process, there has to be a good reason to not go through the normal process. And so those are the three overall criteria. And then there's an, an additional fourth requirement that you justify the emergency. And it could be justified under different situations. It could be what's described as an ecological one, an economic, a social, or public health. So for example, last year, the council, or excuse me, a couple of years ago under COVID-19, asked for emergency action due to the public health crisis and what was facing our fishermen at the time and the restrictions they were facing. And so that was, that was one of the justifications for the emergency criteria then. Under this situation, you know, the new and unforeseen is really the recent events are these catch rates that we weren't expecting, the fishery encountering a lot more Gulf of Maine haddock than what we previously thought. And one of the new, one of the new re recruitment streams coming in a little bit sooner than we expected as well, than we had forecast. And because of this, and because the council is very concerned about when the regulations go in place, we had conducted an analysis that showed the fishery could close, the commercial fishery in the Gulf of Maine could close as soon as August this year, if there wasn't some relief provided. That's pretty difficult for folks, you know, the entire Gulf of Maine stock area, and is a really important part of the, not only access to haddock, but other stocks like pollock, white hake, and the flatfish. And so that was a, a very concerning observation that we saw. Furthermore, the council, you know, although it had just discussed its proposal um, and had, it didn't think we needed to do a whole nother action to make this change. And so that is what outweighs the need for a continued longer public process. Where does it go to? Well, it goes to the Greater Atlantic Regional Fisheries Office at NOAA Fisheries, and they consider this request. The Secretary of Commerce is also involved. And so it is up to the fishery service to make this determination and not something the council can actually implement without the fishery service doing something. And what's the timing on that? So the, the council came together last month and said, we see a major problem coming. We want to put this request, this emergency action. You guys send a letter to the federal government and saying, please help. Here's the justification that we've brought. Here's what we're requesting and suggesting. And then they have a certain amount of time that they are going to take to review that, analyze it, and then respond to it. What does that timeline look like? So the council's request was to increase their quota recommendation, and it was an increase of about 345 metric tons over their over their previous proposal. So for the, for the what fishing. was what was the previous metric tons? Just so that we can put yeah, some sure. context in, in into that number. So for shared fisheries, so this includes recreational 
and commercial, it was 1,936 metric tons. The council's proposal was to increase that to 2,281 metric tons. That number doesn't exceed another number we call the overfishing limit. So we stay within our conservation requirements. It allows for a 345 metric ton increase over what we previously recommended. And of that, about two thirds of the quota is for commercial fisheries and about a third is for recreational fisheries. That is a, a relief, but it is not a game changer when it comes to what fishermen are going to be able to do. Nobody's going to be able to go out and target haddock. Nobody's going to be able to build a fishery around this. But it, it, if we think that the fishery might shut down sooner than the end of the year because of, of haddock catch, this might allow for more targeting of healthy stocks. But it, it's it doesn't sound like that's, you know, it's not a doubling of what they're allowed to catch or a tripling, right? This is a, a fractional percentage gain, hopefully, for, for the fleet. Is that right? Yeah. The idea here is that it's not going to be the solution, but provide some much needed economic and social relief under this big change. Perhaps even provide some transition between the higher quota and now what's a lower quota and soften that a bit, but it is not the only solution that, you know, folks were discussing, but it's the only one that would meet our science and management goals. And certainly we're bound by the results of the most recent stock assessment. The council is also considering at its next meeting, and so th this relief is being asked for this fishing year, which ends April 30th of next year. But what about the next two years? And the council is going to talk about this at its June meeting. You know, what does it think about the next two fishing years? And what does that mean for the fishery? And may decide to recommend continuing to examine its previous recommendations, which are also low quarters in these years. Emergency actions can only be in place 180 days, and then it can be extended for another 180 days. And so this would only cover that one year of, of, of the fishery. And so the council would need to talk about the second and the third year. What is, ha what is happening with those quotas, which are also very low. And, and it would seem that those second and third years would probably not meet the emergency criteria any longer because we, we, we know it's coming, right? So it, it's, it's something that we, if the council wants to address, they, they themselves need to address through through management is that uh, right and, kind of aligned with that the council has time to do that now so they have you know about a year to work on this and if they decide to pick it up as what they call priority for their year they would have some time to work on a revised proposal for potentially an increased quota from what was previously submitted i know that you can't read the crystal ball but when might this quota, this pounds of fish that's available to be caught, when might that become available to, to the industry if the federal government decides that this does indeed constitute an emergency action approval? I don't know. We sent the council's letter to the Greater Atlantic Regional Fisheries Office, and it is in their hands now to review and decide, you know, first, will it take an emergency action under the secretary's authority? or or not, and if it does take it, how will it be conducted? They don't have to necessarily implement what the council recommended. They have wide latitude and could potentially do something else, do something in addition to it. 
But the council sent its letter with analysis and with discussion of, of why this is needed and how it should be done. And so we hope that they seriously consider the council's proposal and implement it as soon as possible. Jamie, you've done a fantastic job outlining kind of where we were, what has got us here, and what we can anticipate looking over the next couple of months to the next couple of years when it comes to, to Gulf of Maine Haddock. I do want to just hit on larger picture is what's happening with George's Bank Haddock? Is this a Haddock problem that we're seeing overall? And are there other things that are happening either within the ecosystem or within the, like what what is what might be contributing to some of these changes that we're seeing that we didn't anticipate when it comes to some of these fish stocks at a, at a broader level? Like Gulf of Maine Haddock, George's Bank Haddock is also undergoing about an 80% cut from previous quotas. That quota was very high. And even when you cut down to 20% of that, it's still above what the fishery was catching. So currently, we don't foresee a fisheries crisis for that portion of the stock. What we know about Haddock is that they have what we refer to as episodic recruitment events. So the conditions are perfect. We get a lot of haddock. And so really you have to look for those favorable environmental conditions to have these large recruitment events that drive these big pulse of biomass. And it leads to these stronger quotas that we've seen in recent years. But haddock can have these boom and bust cycles. And we may just be in that lower phase. You know, haddock is still considered to be what we refer to as rebuilt. So it's in good shape, but we're now at this lower level of what the, the stock typically would be at. And there's sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower. So we're entering this lower phase. We're not sure how long we'll be in that regime. And so we'll you know look to the next stock assessment to show us what's happening. And that will be next year. In 2024, we'll have, I believe, another stock assessment of Haddock. The other piece that I just wanted to get your reflection on is, despite the fact that there was a lot of science that was created, there's a process through the New England Fishery Management Council around this, that the, the fishermen bringing their observations to, to the managers was very impactful in the decision-making process. And one of the things we often hear is feedback is fishermen like, well, nobody listens to us nobody's, you know, we, we show up and we aren't being heard. This seems like a great example of fishermen showing up, saying something and, and being heard. What was your experience like with the fishermen participating, the fishermen engaging, bringing data and observations to the table? And, and, and how was that, that used by the, the council in this process? Although the stock assessment was conducted in 2022, it uses the data, the fishery dependent and independent data through 2021. And so that is the last time the data goes into the assessment to give us a picture of what might happen. A lot of things have changed since 2021. We looked at some of the survey information in 2022 when fishermen were raising these concerns and we did see an uptick in those indices. And that seems to corroborate what the fishermen may be seeing and so I think it's really a matter of, you know, we have these gaps between the, when the data, what we call the terminal year, the last year that we use in the stock assessment, and then there's these on the water things that happen over that time and observations that people see that kind of inform us more about where we're headed. And so this particular time where there was such a big change, I think the council wanted to hear from the fishery more about what it was seeing. And we had this opportunity, a 
of the spring haddock fishery to show some of those signals um, early enough that the council could make that recommendation for emergency action. Yeah, this might be a, a topic for for another one, but you know, I, I do think that one of our problems that we're running into is the data from our trawl surveys is pretty disrupted right now, right? We, a lot of the data streams from this came through the COVID pandemic, and there was some disruption in those trawl surveys. And then moving forward, we're going to have some more disruptions with the, the Bigelow being kind of, have, there's going to be some work being done, et cetera. And so I, I just from my hopeful optimistic view is like, I really hope we can get fishermen more involved in some of these conversations because they're on the water a lot. They're seeing a lot and getting that data stream into the modeling, I think can be really impactful, especially if we start planning early to, to use it. But I, I do know that that is one of the feedbacks that we keep getting from fishermen is like, well, the trawl survey is not showing what we're seeing. Why is that happening? What's happening with these disruptions and being shutdowns and breakdowns? You know, it's hard. It's one boat. We're relying on, we're putting a lot of pressure on one boat to do, do a lot of data collection. And so, you know, I really do appreciate how quickly the council responded to what the fishermen were seeing. They couldn't do everything that the fishermen needed them to do, but I, I think they took some really impactful steps. And so, you know, Jamie, thank you so much for, for walking us through your role in this and how you experienced it and the, the work that the council did and all those managers and scientists that were involved from, from start to finish in this process. Last thing I want to say on this is there's a lot of opportunity for fishermen and other folks to be involved in our process. You know, hearing from folks this year made a big difference, but there's another opportunity all throughout the year at our meetings. We have ground fish advisory panel meetings. It's a great place for people to come and share their concerns and observations, but there are other opportunities and more than happy to listen to the ways that we can get folks more involved in our process, because I think it really improves the overall outcomes when more people are involved. And when we hear directly from the people that these decisions are going to impact as well. That's great. And, and I'll just put a plug in that you guys have your council meeting this summer in Freeport, Maine. So that's an opportunity for a lot of local fishermen to come and participate and, and see how the sausage is made. Yeah, and I look forward to that. I should be there most of the week. We're excited to be in Freeport, Maine. Usually we're in Portland, but this is a little change for us. Uh, maybe a little bit more convenient for those who are further north. So we hope that you can attend and join us as our council discusses a lot of different topics in June. Perfect. Jamie, thank you so much for taking a chunk out of your day to walk me through the, the haddock calamity. And hopefully we will see you at this summer in Freeport. Thank you again. You were great. Thanks for having me. Maine Coast Doc Talk is a production of the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association, an industry-based nonprofit that identifies and fosters ways to restore the fisheries of the Gulf of Maine and sustain Maine's fishing communities for future generations. For more information about our work, to make a donation, or to listen to previous episodes of Doc Talk, you can visit our website, maincoastfisherman.org.